Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Greetings, everyone. This is the 10th episode of the Traveling Image Makers podcast, and I'm your host, Hugo Che. I have to say it's been fun to, to record these episodes uh, until now, and I hope you have uh, liked them, and I uh, hope you will continue to, to follow us. My guest for this episode doesn't need a lot of introduction. Gary Arnold is one of the best-known travel photographers around, and he has been leading a life on the road for the past eight years or so, visiting more than 175 countries and territories around the world. He has lots of stories to tell, and uh, I'm just going to jump into the interview now with uh, my guest, Gary Arndt. Hello, Gary. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, it's a great pleasure for me to have you on my show. Uh, You're a, a famous travel photographer and veteran podcaster, so I've got a lot to learn from you. And how, how long have you been doing podcasts? I've been doing a podcast uh, this week in travel for, we started in 2009. Mm-hmm. So it's been uh, over six years. And then I just started a second podcast last summer, The Global Travel Conspiracy. So just introduce yourself uh, to, to our audience a bit. Who is Gary Arndt? Uh, Yeah, so my name's Gary. I have been traveling around the world since March of 2007. I sold my home. And up until recently, uh, it's been about two months now, I finally got an apartment back here in the United States. Uh, But for that almost that entire time of nine years, I was traveling around the world. I've been to over 110 countries, uh, all seven continents in 2013 and 2014, I was named Travel Photographer of the Year by the Society of American Travel Writers and the North American Travel Journalists Association. Um, I'm a completely self-taught photographer. I began um, really when I started traveling. I bought a camera that I I didn't know how to use. And over the, the first several years I was traveling, I taught myself how to use it and just gradually improved. What moved you to take up a nomadic life to sell your house and, and start traveling for eight years? What were the well, that wasn't, it wasn't my intent when I started. Um, I really was planning on traveling for a year or two, and it kind of became three, and then it became four, and then I just kind of never stopped. So it was not something I really intended to do, but uh, you know, I enjoy traveling, and it kind of just became my life after a while. And being constantly on the move, I think it, it means that you must take everything you own with you like a, like a snail, if I can say so. Um, that, that does it, actually, or how does that work in practice? You have to carry your clothes and everything from place to place, your camera gear, and so on. Or yeah, basically, you... I, I have a camera bag in that I have my laptop and some other electronics, and then I have a larger suitcase, and in that I have my clothes, my tripod, uh, some other miscellaneous things, toiletries, and that's it. Yeah, so you normally stay in hotels or uh, you find Hotels, houses? hostels, guest houses, you name it. Yeah. Uh, well, lots of different places. Anything you can find, I guess. Yeah, and it really depends what part of the world you're in. Uh-huh. 
Um, when you're in a place like Southeast Asia, uh, accommodations are a bit more affordable. So you might be able to stay in something a little bit nicer for the same price. Whereas if you're in, say, Western Europe, uh, things are a little more expensive. So I might stay in something that's maybe not quite as fancy, but it's a little cheaper. Do you do a lot of research before going to a place, especially with, with respect to accommodations? Do you use uh, things like Airbnb? I do very little research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just show up and I'll use something like maybe hotels.com or it depends if I have uh, points available that I can use for a hotel. But yeah, I, I, I haven't used Airbnb that much. I've used it once, I think, and that was on the island of Bermuda when I didn't uh, – it was kind of busy and so the hotel prices were very high. So I just got an Airbnb. But otherwise, I'll stay at like guest houses, two-star hotels – Things like that. Yeah. How can you make that kind of life sustainable in, in economic terms? I mean, uh, is that do you live by selling your photos that you take on your trips? Uh, do you have other sources of income or you just work for many years and then you decided, okay, I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to uh, get some money from the sale and then I'll spend them traveling. Or is, do you think that can be a sustainable Uh, type of life? Well, for the first four years I was traveling, I basically didn't make any money. I was living off the savings from selling my home and a previous business. Uh, but as I was traveling, I, I slowly grew an audience online. And it was from that that I was eventually able to uh, start making a living. And I don't make a living through selling photos. Most people do not buy photos online uh, from other people. There's very few sales. And I know a lot of photographers with very large audiences, and, and few of them make significant sales. You tend to make it. So I have several long-term uh, sponsors. I work with G Adventures. They're the world's largest adventure travel company. Uh, and also Allianz Insurance. Uh, they're a travel insurance company. And uh, I work with them and, and help promote their products to people. And they're great companies to work with. So you said you have a large following uh, online. And uh, as I know, everybody knows that social media nowadays plays a, a big role in, uh, in, in that, in uh, being able to, to reach a large audience and so on. Um, is, is, that, is that your case? How, how do you get to, to a large following on social media? Do you have any, any tips, any suggestions for people who would like to follow your footsteps? Well, first of all, it takes a lot of time. And I think you also have to do good work You have to be making good photos, and you also have to be doing something interesting. Uh, if you're just going about living your life, taking you know photos of your food and of you sitting in your car, I don't think most people are going to find that interesting, and you're probably not going to develop a following. I think the reason why people follow me is that uh, I take decent photos, and I'm also doing interesting things that they would maybe like to do, uh, travel all over the world. Any specific type of uh, of photo or subject that tends to, to attract people's attention to be more popular? Is it people, landscapes, uh, culture? Definitely landscapes. Anything with a mountain in it uh, will always do well. My very best photos uh, that I take of people always underperform when I post them online. doesn't matter how good it is. If mm -hmm. there's a person in it, it tends to uh, just not perform as well. And... I've seen a lot of studies that people say, oh, pictures with people in it tend to perform better. But the thing is, they're looking at 
all Facebook posts or all Instagram posts where people are liking photos of their friends and family, not necessarily of strangers they don't know. So I've always found that, yeah, it's, it's mountains, um, sunrise, sunset, rainbows, waterfalls, things like that. Oh, interesting. I would have thought that maybe viewers would tend to connect with people and looking them in the eyes, but yeah. No, it's just, in fact, it is just the opposite. Uh I have taken several photos that, uh, you know, I've won major awards for. And when I post them online, they will get maybe half or less of the number of likes that a a really nice landscape image will get. So the good old uh, sunsets tend to attract more attention than... (laughs) Sad but true. Yeah, Yeah, I know. (laughs) Maybe uh, even popular locations and uh, iconic locations and shots yeah i can post a bad photo of the eiffel tower like just something that's not very special and people will like it because it's something they recognize Mm -hmm. whereas if you post something that they're not familiar with uh they're less likely to to do it and I, i would also say that in addition to landscapes you know if you post a photo of a uh, like the town square of an old European town or something like that, those will also do well because, again, they at least are familiar with it. But if I post something from the Solomon Islands or some country they've never heard of, there's nothing that they can really relate to uh, unless it just happens to be like a nice sunset. Where do people congregate the most in terms of social media? Is it Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat? Or if, if somebody were, wanted to start and create a following, uh, who would you recommend to, to concentrate their efforts on? If you're a photographer right now, I think the answer is pretty easy. It's Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's a photography platform, and the engagement rates on Instagram are far higher than anything else. And the problem with Facebook, even though so many people use it, uh, you can't reach out to the people who follow you because Facebook will basically filter that and prevent you from from. Get from reaching people, uh, whereas that's not the case on Instagram. Isn't the fact that Instagram doesn't allow to you to put links in your posts limiting in a in a way? I mean, you can get a lot of engagement on uh, on Instagram, but then it tends to stay on Instagram, and you're not. Yeah, but that's not traffic. a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. not always about driving traffic. If somebody can look and appreciate one of my photos. It doesn't really matter that much to me what platform it is happening on. So long as they're doing it, I, th- I think that's the primary objective. And if you know they come to my website, that's great. But that's not the, the biggest thing. In terms of uh, pure travel, leaving aside for a moment the social media and uh, popularity, do you have any tips for uh, aspiring travelers, for somebody who would like to travel most of their time, how to to work towards that goal? Well, if you want to travel a lot, you have to obviously sacrifice other parts of your life. Uh, you can't be going to the cafe every day. You can't be spending money on cars or other things like that. You're going to be spending most of your time and your money on traveling. And so you need to make that a priority in your life. And it usually means spending less money on other things, clothing, um, you know, whatever else you want to buy and really devoting yourself to it. So you're either going to have to save money or you're going to need to find a way to make money while you're traveling. And in a world where 
there isn't a day that goes by without some news about some tragic attacks or bad things happening. Uh, do you still feel uh, safe as you as you felt uh, eight years ago? Yes, um, that's exactly it. They're in the news. We hear about these things, but it's not necessarily that there's more of them happening. Mm -hmm. It's just that what does happen, we're more likely to hear about. And that makes us feel unsafe. Whereas if you look at what the real danger is when traveling, I think the U.S. State Department has, has said uh, it's true for American travelers, and I'm sure it's true for everyone. The most dangerous thing uh, while traveling are car accidents. And if you think mm -hmm. about it, that makes a lot of sense. But we're not afraid of car accidents when we travel. We're afraid of a terrorist or, or something like that happening. Whereas the odds of being the victim of a terrorist attack are incredibly slim. But the odds of you know, being in a car accident or something else that's a bit more pedestrian happening to you um, are far greater. Yeah, I completely agree. Unfortunately, I think most people don't really understand the statistics. And so they tend to think that... Uh, to be bad at evaluating risks and uh, and probabilities so you get more uh, you got a big a big scare lots of people are scared of traveling maybe nowadays because of the because of what's in the news and yeah car, car accidents are not normal in the news but they people as you said should be more worried about car accidents than uh, than terrorist attacks I remember uh, last year when the Ebola outbreak was happening yeah. there were people canceling trips to South Africa which was further away from where the Ebola outbreak was happening than where you are living right now in Italy. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. and it, it made no sense. But because it just happened to be in Africa, everyone was scared. Yeah, Africa is uh, just one big lump on the map. Uh, yeah, it's huge. Don't, don't know. <laughs> South Africa is so far away and so different from, from other countries that it's like uh, Norway from Greece or... Canada from Argentina. Yeah, but, you know, people don't make those distinctions. Or yeah. even if you hear something bad happening within a country, most countries are pretty good-sized, you know. There's a, a big difference. Like in Mexico, uh, there's been talk of what's happening with, like, uh, drug cartels, but most of that's in the north. And if you go to the Yucatan, there's very little of that happening, and the crime rates there are quite low. But people just hear about Mexico, and so they believe every single place in Mexico is just as dangerous as every other, and that's mm -hmm. not the case. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, even yeah, go ahead, go ahead. even in Italy, I think you would find you know like the crime rates in Sicily are very different than what you're going to see in say northern Italy. <clears throat> yeah, we had some. It's not that so much anymore, but used to be that people were hearing about the mafia, and there were uh, there were some murders because of. Uh, criminal organizations like the mafia and so on but if you go even if you go to sicily i mean for most people for i mean almost the whole totality of people it's uh, it's not dangerous at all even it was not dangerous even when the the mafia was uh, was on the the news uh, every single day so yeah it's uh, it's yeah. a matter of perspective understanding statistics and it's a bit tragic for for countries, the, for developing countries like uh, thinking of Egypt. Uh, they had a big hit uh, to their main industry, which is tourism. 
uh, Egypt is uh, very much dependent on tourism and uh, it's got a, a big hit because of things that happened there. And, uh, it's unfortunate for for the people who work in the tourism industry there and and all of those who depend on that. So yeah, I would I would go to Egypt. No, no worry. I would not be very much worried about going to Egypt nowadays. But it's harder to to convince people. Yeah, I know several people that have been there recently, and none of them had any bad things to say or had any bad things happen to them. Mm, yeah. Uh, anyway, you. Um, so you said you slowed down your speed of travel a bit recently. You adopted more of a stable lifestyle. Uh, can you let us know a bit about uh, why this decision, what changed in your life? Well, in 2014, I sort of made the decision that I was going to travel less. I had been to over, I'd set foot in over 40 countries in both 2013 and 2014. And I just felt that it wasn't sustainable anymore. I was getting burned out. Um, you're always eating in restaurants. Uh, it, it just wasn't very healthy for me. Plus, it was very difficult to work out of hotel rooms all the time. So in 2015, last year, I spent the first three months in Girona, in Spain. Um, spent more time in the U.S. than I had previously. And uh, I think I was in 13 countries last year, down from, say, 40 and so the two two months ago, so we're recording this in uh, January 2016, in November, I uh, got an apartment finally uh, here in Minneapolis. And so now I have a place to go between trips. And I'm already, I'm sure I'll travel much more in 2016 than I did in 2015. So uh, next month, I'll be going to India. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may have a trip to Jamaica. Um, I'll be going to uh, Central Asia. I'll be going to Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, and Uzbekistan. I'll be spending a month in Alaska. I'll be in the Balkans doing a road trip, uh, maybe going to China later in the year. So I'll be doing a lot of travel this year. The only difference is is that now I have a place to go in between the trips. Yeah. Are you planning to visit all the countries in the world eventually? Is that some you know, I'm getting goals? I'm getting closer to the point now where it's something I can actually start seriously thinking about. I still have a lot of very easy to reach countries to visit. So I think I'll focus on that. And a lot of them are still in the Americas. So uh, two countries in the Caribbean I haven't been to. I haven't been to Nicaragua. Uh, several couple in South America still. Um, once I go to the Balkans, I'll have been to every country in Europe except for Norway. No particular reason. I haven't been to Norway. I just never got there. And then it's a lot of, you know, um, Africa, um, Central and South Asia, places like that, some island countries. Any particular country or place that you, if you were to just to say, I'm going to leave tomorrow. And uh, if this is the last country I will visit in my life, it's going to be this one. Uh, I haven't been to Greenland, and I would really love to see Greenland. Uh, that's a, a place that's very high on my list. Um, you know, I've never been to a lot of the big countries. I haven't been to Russia. I haven't been to China, uh, India, or Brazil. Mm-hmm. So if you look at a map of the world of the places I've been, it's actually not that impressive because so many of the places I've been to are small islands, and they usually don't show up on the map, whereas like Russia is this enormous you know, piece of the map. 
And some places, I mean, some countries like China and uh, Brazil, for instance, are uh, a continent on their own. I mean, it's uh, you, oh, you, yeah. you can go to Brazil, you can go to Rio, and it's completely different from uh, the northeast of Brazil, for instance. And uh, so, yeah, you can say, okay, I put my flag on the map in Brazil, but there's a lot to explore even in a, in a single country. No, and I think, honestly, that's the reason I probably haven't visited a lot of these places is because, yeah, I could go fly into New Delhi and go to the Taj Mahal and say I've been to, to India, but not really. India's huge, you know? It's just like the United States. You, can't, you can come to New York and say I've been to the United States, and that's true to an extent, but it's a very diverse place. In a lot of these large countries, there's so much to see that to simply be in one city and to say that you've, you know— explore the whole country that's nonsense a bit of a specular question to the one i just asked is uh, you've been to over 175 countries but if you 175 were, countries and territories and territories so it actually gets into like what is a country <laughs> so because can, can you explain? well because i've been to places like gibraltar mm-hmm. gibraltar is not a country but at the same time it's not the same as going to london yeah right it's part of the uk um so the 175 is based on the Traveler Century Club list, which divide the world into 326, I think, places. And so, for example, the United States would be the continental United States, but then it, it separates Alaska and Hawaii as separate things because they're geographically distinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and likewise, uh, Corsica, Sardinia, and Sicily would be considered separate things because they're islands unto themselves. Um, so, and it also deals with things like French Polynesia, Puerto Rico, Antarctica, um, things which are not countries, but they're also not, yeah. you know, they exist. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, what about Indonesia? I mean, if it's like 20,000 different islands, I don't think that counts. I think they separate Indonesia into seven different uh-huh. regions. So there's Sumatra, Java, Sulawesi. Uh, the Lesser Sunda Islands, which include Bali, mm-hmm. Lombok, and a couple others, um, pa- the Papua, and there might be another small island group or something. Yeah, Borneo, I think. Yeah, anyway. Oh, yeah, so Kalimantan would be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so it's an ever-growing list, what with uh, countries well, it, gaining independence. and. Yeah, it doesn't change that frequently, <laughs> but yeah, it, it does change. Uh, I think the most recent addition was they split uh, the nation of Equatorial Guinea in Africa. Most of the people live on an island, but the largest bit of in terms of area is actually on the African continent. Mm -hmm. And so they've split that into two separate things. So I thought you were uh, almost done and it turns out that you are... About halfway well, through again. <laughs> well, if it's, if it's the UN list, then I've been to about, and again, so then it, it's, it's a matter of like, do you count Taiwan as a country? Mm-hmm. Do you count uh, Palestine or depends on Depends on who you ask. <laughs> exactly. The, or is the Vatican a country? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They have their own top level internet domain. So right. Well, but then again, so does the Cook Islands and yeah. Puerto Rico and these other places. So. It, yeah. it, it's not an easy question, but if you just use the United Nations list, I've been to as of the this recording 109, and I'll probably get that up to maybe 120, 125 by the end of this year. So, but 
in the end, I think it's not just about putting names on a list or oh, pins on a map. It's more about experiencing different right. uh, different places and cultures and so on. What, what do you look for? What kind of experience do you look for when you when you go to a place? Are you much into food or you want to, to meet people, learn a bit about the language? Or it's mostly about the visuals. I mean, you're, yeah, we are photographers. So that, that's, of course, one of our main... Uh, uh, interests, I, f- I think, at least for me, it's uh, it's getting great visuals, great photos for a place. That's a big part of it, um, and they they really are different based on the place you go to. So there are some countries that are just more interesting visually than others, uh, and it may be because of a particular city, um, maybe because of the landscape. A mountainous place will probably have more things to photograph than a a flat prairie. Um, but I also like the, I, I'm very interested in history and, you know, there's always an interesting story for why some places exist or how they came to be or why the borders are the way they are. You know, one of the most interesting stories is, uh, actually in Italy. Well, sir, it's, it's, it's surrounded by Italy. It's uh, San Moreno. Mm-hmm. And the, I've always wondered is why does that exist? Because there was a period where there were many Italian city-states, and then as Italy unified, they all kind of uh, became part of Italy, except for San Marino. And San Marino could have been conquered at any time. It's very tiny. So I was always wondering, why does this little place exist? Why wasn't it swallowed up by the rest of Italy? And the story behind it is actually really interesting. And it has to do with two really strange historical quirks uh, with Napoleon and... um, uh, when when Italy unified, that just happened to leave it alone as a country. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I'm Italian, and I didn't. I don't know the details about the the story of San Marino. Yeah, but it, if you think about it, it's interesting because you know they probably should have mm-hmm. been swallowed up with everything else, but they never were. Yeah, it's probably similar to the story of uh, Monaco or Andorra. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I'll have also to admit that I've never been to San Marino. <laughs> oh, you need, to, you need to go. <laughs> I need to go. I know, you know, it's one of those places. It's so nearby. And so, yeah, we can go anytime. And you you end up never going. So for some reason. Anyway, I should add that country to my list. It it's, would be very easy to, to add one more name to my list. <laughs> but I haven't so far. Um no, what, what I meant to ask uh, earlier was, uh, uh, you've been to well, 175 countries or territories, but if you were to go back to one of those tomorrow, uh, which one would you pick and why? Uh, South Georgia Island. Mm-hmm. And South Georgia is a British territory. It is between South, Af- or South America and Africa, above Antarctica. And basically nobody lives there. But it's home to the largest uh, breeding ground for penguins in the world. And it is one of the most photogenic places I've ever been. One of the most incredible places where you can get off the boat and be surrounded by 100,000 to a quarter million penguins. All making noise, smelling horribly. And uh, it's an experience like no other you can have in the world. Is it hard to reach? Yes. Uh, basically, the only way to get there is by ship. There is no runway. There are no flights. And uh, the way most people get there is 
on the way to Antarctica. So most Antarctica ships will stop there one or two times each season and do a South Georgia visit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you have any any other things uh, that you would like to add? Um, information about you or yeah people can find me at my website at everything-everywhere.com and uh, from there you can find all the various social platforms I'm on or just search for my name Gary Arndt or even Gary Travel and you should be able to find me I'm pretty easy to find online got any plans to come to Italy soon Not, no immediate plans, but I usually get to Italy maybe every other year. Mm-hmm. Let me know. Um, you know, one of the things I do is I visit UNESCO World Heritage Sites, and Italy has the most of any country in the world. Yeah. And I think they're at 52 sites now, and I've probably been to about half, but I haven't been to some in the far south and to some in the far north. So I still have a lot of exploring in Italy to do. So if you if you come, let me know. Maybe we can go out and, and shoot together. It would be interesting. Where in Italy do you live? I live near Milan. You know, oh, okay. Yeah, Milan is like the one major city in Italy I haven't been to yet. Oh. So that's that would definitely be high in my uh, my list for the next place to go in Italy. It's uh, it's probably not the most beautiful, but it's uh, it's got its interesting uh, spots. Um, well, from what I understand, the people are very beautiful. So, <laughs> <laughs> and if you, you can come to 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 the lakes, Lake Como and so on, they're very close to to Milan. So that's a, a good starting point for for visiting the northern Italy. It's uh, very well connected. So yeah, just in case you you decide to come, let me know. We organize something. I will do that. Uh, so I just would like to, to thank you for uh, for your time for being with us and for uh, all the information you gave to, to our audience and uh, all the best for your next trips thank you for having me take care goodbye <laughs>